0: Blob Talk Radio Well, bless the Lord everybody, bless the Lord This is Pastor Winfred Burns And you are live with the Word on Wednesday We thank God for you tonight And for your presence here And we are going to get right at it Tonight we continue in Acts chapter 20. This is actually the third uh, missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And tonight, as we continue our study, we will see the heart of an apostle. We'll get a chance to see him as he bids farewell to some people that he Loves that he has raised in the ministry, and so you'll get a chance to to really, really see um, a pastor's heart. And furthermore, what we'll end on is a question uh, regarding our Christian responsibilities. Hey, how you doing tonight? Um, regarding our Christian responsibilities, um, because. I, I'm seeing that so many of us don't realize that we have a responsibility to not just to God but to each other, that God gives us a responsibility. And never in my lifetime have I seen so much neglect that goes on in the church. a church as rich and is, as as we are here in America. So I don't want to take the hour of complaining, but instead I want to get into the scripture and to do that. Let's before we do that, let's just have a word of prayer. Eternal God our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, we thank you for your word and we thank you that your word not only leads and guides, but it testifies to us of our responsibilities, not just to you but to each other. Father, how can we say we love you whom we don't see and not show love to a brother or a sister who we do see? That just doesn't make sense. And so, Father, tonight we ask that you imprint on our hearts our responsibilities to one another. And we thank you for the record that you leave us of the life of Paul as he struggles to advance your gospel. God, don't let this word just be a word of condemnation, but instead let it be a word that encourages us to do better than we have done in the past. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we finished up at acts chapter 20 verse we stopped at verse 6 and we're going to jump right in at uh, verse 7 tonight reminding you that Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem and he has made the decision you know um, to go back by way of Macedonia and the best way to describe Macedonia to you who don't have maps is that Macedonia is uh, northern Greece. It's the northern portion of Greece. It sits between um, Greece and Bulgaria, if you're looking on a map. And so Paul has decided not um, not to go directly back from his point in Ephesus, but instead he traveled back up through Macedonia because, again, he was always about strengthening the churches. He was always about taking care of that which the Lord had given him. And I'm, I'm really sensitive to that tonight because I am seeing in, in our churches today that a lot of the pioneers of churches, a lot of people who gave their, their lives and their wealth to help us get into the positions that we are in today, are being neglected. Our seniors are being neglected. They, they just kind of go home to die. And in many churches, um, the pastors, and I, I, you know what, I'm, I can't play with it any longer. In many churches, when we get a younger pastor, he is so concerned about his reputation, his name, his preaching, and what he has in front of him that he does not realize what he's standing on that he's standing on the backs of saints who fried chicken dinners, and they make fun of folks that, that fried chicken dinners. He makes fun of the people that um, had to, 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 to walk to work, and, and he makes fun of the people and ignores the people who used to have to go into their stocking and, and pull out the, 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 little, the, the 50 cents that they had tied up in their stocking, the 50 cents that was holding their stocking together. They make fun of the people who say, sang those Dr. Watts that birthed them. And it really angers me to see these, these, these people doing that. And it lets me know that they really don't have the the mature heart of a pastor capable of leading the people. And we're seeing the results now. We're seeing, instead of seeing people that are at altar worshiping, we're seeing people in the pulpit dancing. And it, it just so angers me, and I'm trying to get a hold of myself because I need to get to this lesson. But a real pastor, a real apostle, is going to be concerned for his people, even as, even as he goes forward. So it's not about their reputation. It's about what they do for Christ. Anyway, let me stop because I can can go on with this. Uh, Verse, I'm going to jump right in at verse uh, 7. It says, and I'm at Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. Let me stop there. That is pretty much self-explanatory. What happens here? is that Paul is at at Troas. And at Troas, he has gathered together the people from the northern part of Macedonia, and he is knowing what is going to happen in his life after this. He is trying to impart to them those last things. It's kind of like, when you're getting ready to go on a trip and you're leaving your kids at home, and you remind them, make sure you lock the door, make sure you eat vegetables, make sure you don't have no people in this house, make sure you do this, make sure you do that, make sure you do the other, like a like like a like a proud parent leaving his children and knowing that he's going to be away for a while. Paul is just. Pouring into them everything he has. And he talks all night. And in talking all night, one of the young men, he, he just falls asleep. And he falls out of the window. And they think he's dead because of the fall. But miraculously, uh, the, the, the child does not die, but instead he lives. And at daybreak, they departed. Um, now, this trip that I'm going to describe in these next verses if, if you look on the west side of Turkey, you'll find the Aegean Sea. What he's going to do is he's going to take a trip down the Aegean Sea, and the Aegean Sea lets out into the Mediterranean. And it's through the Mediterranean, and he's going to make a couple of stops along the way. But that's the, that's the route that he takes back to Syria on his way to Jerusalem. And so for those of you who have maps that don't, um, that, don't that, that, that really, and you're really interested in this journey because it is, a, it is a, it's, it's an interesting journey that he takes, especially during uh, that time. That, was, that had to be just, it, it was a rough journey and Paul is now a, a 20-year-old man at this time. Paul is aging now. But yet he is going through all of this for the sake of the gospel. What does it say to us? You know what? I just complained about the way the church treats seniors. But I want to tell you something. Seniors, we still got it. We still got some more in us. We can still go for God. We don't have to quit. As long as you got strength in your body, you can go for God. You can still continue to press this fight for the gospel. Okay. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Asos, intending to take Paul aboard there. And I'm at verse 13. For so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and went to Mythilene. Now, what this basically means right there is that that they they, they boarded the ship at Troas, But Paul didn't board at Troas because Paul still had some things that he wanted to impart to those people. So instead, he walks. He walks to Asos and he get what they they board in one place. Paul walks and boards at another port because again, he is so concerned about these churches and these people and them staying true to Christ and growing and being strong and spreading the gospel of Jesus that he says, I'll meet y'all later on. i got some more to tell them. Now, remember, he has talked all night, and now he's going to walk all day. Verse 15, and, and sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos, And the day after that we went to Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. So again, what we're describing is the journey down the Aegean Sea, and it's south south of the Aegean Sea that drops down into uh, the Mediterranean. Um, Now from Miletus, from Miletus, which is just below uh, Ephesus, now from Miletus, he sent, I'm at verse 17, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews how I, how I did not shrink from declaring to you <laughs> excuse me anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and now Behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy, Go- the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if I only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Isn't that powerful? He says, you know me, and you know what I stand for. You know what I've done. You know my teaching. And now I'm going to Jerusalem. And I can't get out of it. You see, that word says, uh, verse 22, Behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. When you are constrained, you are in a, you are held You are are walking along in a narrow way, and it's something that you can't get out of even if you want to. He is now being led by the Spirit, just as he was led by the Spirit in Macedonia, just as he was led by the Spirit on, uh, on missionary journeys. Now he's being led to prison. Now, on the one hand, you see him pouring out his heart to, because, to, to these people, his heart of love. But on the other hand, you see the obedience of Paul as he follows a hard way. He knows what's getting ready to happen. He does not do like Jonah and, and find him a ship and go in the other direction but instead, just as Jesus fixes his face and goes towards Calvary, Paul, constrained by the Spirit, begins and follows him into danger yet again, into imprisonment yet again, into hardship yet again. As we look at ourselves today, I wonder... How many of us really mean really mean it when we sing that song i'll go remember that we used to sing that back in the in the eighties i'll go i'll go if the Lord wants somebody here am I send me i'll go remember we used to say that all the time if you knew that God was sending you to imprisonment to beatings and to death, would you go? That's, some, and so, and that, that's, that's why, you know, hats off to Paul because he believed so much. He had so much faith in what God had called him to do that he says, I'm going. And the question for us today is, will we go? You know, we love to, you know, pop our fingers in and worship and, and get on the altar and all of that kind of stuff in the safety of our churches. But what happens when we hit the street? What happens when we hit the marketplace? Verse 25. And now behold. I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I want to stop there. So then Paul charges them. Well, before he charges them, he declares himself innocent of their blood. And that's a concept that we need to really dwell into what does it mean to be innocent of their blood because he has declared the whole counsel of God? But let me deal with the whole counsel of God first. First of all, he has not shrunk back from preaching the word of God in its entirety. Though the New Testament has not been written, the Old Testament has been, has, is written and he has shared with them everything that he knows about God and about Jesus. He does not skip any book in that, that, that's there. He tells it all. And then he says, and because I've told you everything that God has told me to tell you, innocent of your blood. Let me, let me show you a passage in Ezekiel that, that, that really explains this to us better. Go, turn to Ezekiel chapter 33, real quick. Ezekiel chapter 33. I'm, I'm making good time tonight. If you're at Ezekiel chapter 33, I'm going to start reading at verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring the sword upon a land, And the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman. And if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon him his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any of them, That person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So what does that passage say? It says that if you are a watchman and you have the word of God of the word that calamity is coming toward the people, and if you sound the warning and the people don't heed the warning, that's not on you. That is not your fault. You did what you were supposed to do. You cried out warning, and they did not listen, and calamity came upon them. But if you see and if you know that calamity is coming, and you fail to warn them. They are swept up in their inequity. They caught up in their sin. They'll be judged in their sin, but their blood is required of you. You have to make an account as a watchman for, what happened, for that blood. And remember, the life is in the blood. So it's, he's saying here, what happens to you, now go back to Paul in Acts 20. Paul says, what happens to you is on you. You don't stay and walk in the word. When the wrath comes, it ain't on me. It's not my fault. I did what I was supposed to do. Put a pen in that so I could finish this chapter, okay? Then put a pen in that. Because I wanna I'm gonna come back to that in my closing. Verse twenty nine. I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessity and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Verse 36, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Now, Paul then, after saying that he was innocent, he warns them. He says, let me tell you what's going to happen. He says, wolves are coming. He says, and there are some among you who will participate in tearing down and devouring the church through speaking twisted things, through trying to impart doctrines that are not of God, doctrines that divide, doctrines that mislead, doctrines that enrich the individuals who are advancing them, doctrines that, that will build a person up above God and take your sinner away from God and put it on a man. They're coming. No, they're not coming, they're here. If you look at our churches today, what do we hear? How often do we hear the gospel being spread? How often do we hear about the number of baptisms? How often is the emphasis on souls saved and soul winning and discipling versus building programs and and all kinds of far-off doctrines that that are no more than inventions of a man's imagination that do not comport with the Word of God. How empty are our Bible studies and our prayer meetings, and how 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 how, how little time we spend reading the Word of God? And what does it say about the Word? It says the Word is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance. Oftentimes there's a doctrine about the now, the promises of God now to give you that five-bedroom house, that car that you've been lusting after, that position that you want so bad. How often is our church services filled with damnable doctrine that ties us to the world and and literally shows that we love the world more than we love God. What does the word say? Love not the world, neither the things thereof. And yet we find ourselves in the body of Christ lusting after stuff that Jesus says that the thieves are going to steal and the moth are going to corrupt rather than being so diligent about doing the will of God and advancing his kingdom. You know what? The blood of many people is on us because the word tells us that we have this treasure, that's 2 Corinthians, in earthen vessels that displays the excellency of our Lord, that displays, that tells of the love of God. God has given it to us and because he has given it to us, we have a responsibility to spread the word to all those around us and yet we have gotten so caught up in the world and in worldly business. And so we can't say like Paul, oh, your blood ain't on me. But the truth is, the blood is on us. And that judgment, and this is the good news of the whole thing, at judgment, we won't be, we won't, we'll go through judgment but we won't go through the judgment that the that the, the the unbeliever goes through. We'll go to the white throne judgment, where our works are judged, and it's at that judgment that we'll be presented, and it'll be shown all the opportunities that we had to share the gospel and refuse to do it, or were so caught up into something else and we forfeit our reward. And how ashamed will you be when you are shown that sister, that relative, that friend, that acquaintance that you could have shared the gospel with that we neglected to do it. We're so caught up in in our Sunday mornings, that we forget that after Sunday come Monday and that we are charged with going and sharing the gospel. So my question tonight as I close is, is it on you? Is there blood on you? Will blood be required from you? Watchmen, what of the night? Watchmen, what of the night? Do you not see, has God not told you that the wages of sin is death and that soon he's coming back and he's not coming back just to receive his church? But he's coming to pour out his wrath on all mankind. Watchmen! It's up to us to warn that this day is coming. It's on us. What will we do? Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. First, we thank you for the example that Paul gave us. And then, God, we we come repenting for our lack of concern. God, we've gotten so selfish and caught up with the world that we're just going to confess we really don't care about nobody but ourselves, but our little crew, and that we have literally, oh, God, just kind of, to the side your commandments, your command to, to go into the world, to share the gospel. We don't care that we're salt and light. All we care about is how much more money we're going to get or what new toy or trinket or what new honor is going to be bestowed upon us. We lust after the approval of men and of things. And we confess that as sin. God, we ask today that not only that you forgive us as we come repenting, but that you put a burning within us, that you put compassion within us, that you fix us so we can participate in sharing the gospel. God, get us back on course. We're so off course. God, it's as if we don't, we say we love you. We don't love nobody but you and ourselves. God, we're sorry. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, God. Fix us. So when we when we do sing that song, I'll go again. That we sing it from sincere hearts, faithful hearts, pure hearts. Thank you, God, that you haven't given up on us. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to ask that if you've got any questions, and I think I'm running a little bit over. Yeah, I am. If you've got any questions, that you would either call me on um, the Global Drive network, um, and it is 929-477-2304, or that you would just put the question right up, uh, those of you on Facebook Live, that you would put the question on the screen. Hallelujah. I, you know, I am, I'm overwhelmed with what I'm seeing. Just put your question on the screen. I'll take a few more minutes. I'm overwhelmed with what I'm seeing in the church because I know that, and I'm confident in God. I'm confident in God that he says that upon this rock I'll build my church and the very gates of hell won't prevail against it. I'm confident in that. But right now, this, the church is so shaky, and we're going in such a bad direction. And it just bothers me because I love the people of God. I love the people of God. I love the people of God. But they're so caught up on this, on this damnable doctrine, so confused because they won't get in their word and study. That we're going the wrong direction, people. We're going the wrong direction, and as a watchman, I gotta be out here and I gotta keep screaming and I gotta keep hollering and I'm gonna stay on it. But sooner or later, you know, it's it's, it's happening. It's happening right now. I, I see it in our the next generation I see it in our children. I see it in my generation right now, and it's not good. It is not good. This and this and I'll sign off. About a year or so ago, I was having some com- a conversation with some leading people within the church. One of them was a preacher, and the other was a deacon. Yep, it looks like the nightclub too. And we wouldn't, you know, if, 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 if I understand that we need to be uh, sensitive to this generation. But if they had fed us a diet of Luther Vandross and finger popping and all of this kind of stuff, when would we have gotten to Jesus? If, they hadn't, if there were not rules and standards advanced toward us, how would we have known right from wrong? I mean, all it seems like they did was they took the nightclub out of the nightclub and turned the church into the nightclub. That's wrong. But anyway, let me just tell you this and I'm gone. So we're sitting around and we're and they're they're talking about you know God and everything. And I asked them a, a simple question. I asked them name. as many of the Ten Commandments as you can. Now, these are a deacon and a preacher, and I gave them a substantial amount of time. Do you know that between the two of them that they couldn't come up with three of the Ten Commandments? That was it, between the two of them. And yet, these are the folks that are tasked with teaching our children and the next generation. Okay, I'm done. I'm done for the night. Okay, so next week, I'll smile again. Next week, we will um, be at Acts chapter 21. Slowly but surely, we get into the end. But I, I have to declare the whole counsel of God. I don't skip around any book. I don't do that. If it's a book, it was there for a reason. And so we'll continue on to Jerusalem with Paul. Uh, I, I praise God for you guys, um, and I'm praying for you. I pray that you would go now and you just make a list of the people that you know that God is calling you to share the gospel with and that you begin to share with Let the Holy Spirit lead you as to how to do it. But be sensitive and beware. Oh, to a smoke machine, (laughs) oh God. But be sensitive and be aware of the move of the Holy Spirit. I bless God for each of you. I thank God that you're here. And I pray that you'd share this video with someone else um, because we got to get this word out. Bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. I'm sorry I'm, I got long-winded tonight, but you know I'm just I'm determined that we're gonna run this race and we're going I'm gonna finish my course. Be blessed. Have a wonderful evening. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns, and you've been live with the Word on Wednesday. Have a wonderful evening. This is Pastor Winfred Burns, and you are live with the Word on Wednesday. We thank God for you tonight and for your presence here, and we are going to get right at it. Tonight we continue in Acts chapter 20. This is actually the third uh, missionary journey of